You're listening to Very Loose Women. Hello, listeners. You are listening to Very Loose Women live on Resonance 104.4 FM, or maybe you're listening on podcast. I'm Florrie, and I'm joined in the studio by my wonderful co-hosts, Leah and Soy. Hello. Hello. Hi. And we have a brilliant <laughs> guest with us from the Institute for Public Policy Research, Ms. Leslie Rankin. Hi. Um, Leslie, um, we're going to be talking to her about uh, pay inequality. Um, but first, before we get chatting, it's time for frustrations and celebrations. Um, I have a boring frustration that I am ill, so sorry if I run I out you were coughing gonna, I thought you were going to do a celebration, because you've been on holiday. I have, I've been on holiday. It was, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. It did lots of things to my body did yeah. that holiday. Um, <laughs> I had a very good time. Good. Where yeah. was the holiday? New York. Oh. oh. Mm-hmm. Is New York bad for your body? It's very bad for your body. Oh, yeah. It's um, good to know. Yes. And your bank balance. <laughs> but it was really fun. So, yeah. Um, Mine's but, also, I guess it's a little bit negative. So, with my girlfriend, once we were in an airport in Scotland. I can't remember which one, but I think it was Edinburgh. And we were, okay, this is really bad, flying back to London, but in our (laughs) defence, it's very expensive (laughs) to get the train from Scotland. Um, I mean, I've done it, and it wasn't too expensive. It was prohibitive. It was, like, just after New Year's. We couldn't, like, we couldn't have gone if we had gotten the train. Um, Anyway, yeah, I feel bad about that. This is beside beside the point. Um, And anyway, I was... I was there, I was having a meltdown about something to do with work, as ever. My keyboard had stopped working, so I was like, how am I going to solve this? And then I can't do this work. And then we were in this, like, cafe. Our flight was delayed by, like, three hours. Should have got the train. And mm. uh, and then the song comes on, on the, like, speakers of this sort of weird... You know how they imitate pubs in airports? That, that area. <laughs> and it was this song that's like, the club is alive. Do you know this with the sound of music? Oh, yeah, I know that one. Yeah, it's, I don't know it. It's incredibly stressful. Um, <laughs> and so now when I'm having like moments of meltdown, which is like most of today, because I had a deadline at 6.30, which I sort of met. Um, I have this, the tune of the club is alive, like <laughs> ringing in my head and it's been in my head for like four hours now. <laughs> oh no, driving you mad. Yeah, I'm going. Do you going... know the way to get rid of a song that's stuck in your head is to actually listen to it? I'm, I refuse to listen to that song. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not going to do it. I know that will cause me more harm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so very much a frustration from me. Okay. Yeah. Um, I do have a frustration as well. And it's that uh, I'm just going to OTT. Um, share the immense period pain I've got going on right <laughs> this now. This is the place for that. I'm really like, sorry to hear it. Sorry, I've not had it. So normally I'm quite, you know, my body's quite good to me. Um, but <laughs> today it's just been, and it's not even just today, it's within the last hour and a half or so. It's just got so incredible. I feel like, I don't know, my uterus is literally sucking all of my other mm. organs out of my body oh my god for a visualization is this a good time to bring up heavy legs do you know about heavy legs no i don't so in france they have a lot of medication like sprays with mint in them for Mm. heavy legs and it's when your legs go like all tense and heavy right around period time and i tell english people about this and they're like that is not a thing (laughs) (laughs) i've never heard of it oh so you don't get heavy bottom half being more painful and heavy i sort of get that i I mean i don't get it in my legs i get it 
everywhere. just above. <laughs> <laughs> that is a frustration yeah, though, yeah, for sure. <laughs> what about you, Les? Um, I'll go positive with a uh, celebration. Nice. Uh, at the weekend, I went bowling for the first time, I think, since <gasps> I, I was a teenager. Oh, it felt super retro. I don't think they'd done it out since the 80s, so it was all colourful and kitsch and super fun, and I got a strike. Nice, Aww. that is an achievement. I'm yeah. so happy we got a celebration. Thank you so much <laughs> for, for that. being doom and gloom. <laughs> um, excellent. So should we roll on to our discussion then? Um, yeah, so we're going to be talking about fair pay this episode. Um, Leslie actually co-authored a report um, at IPPR with uh, Dro Dromi that came out today, and it's called The Fair Pay Report, How Pay Transparency Can Help Tackle Inequalities. Um we're going to just be discussing that today. So first of all, Les, could you just tell us about what IPPR does? Sure. Uh, so IPPR stands for the Institute for Public Policy Research. It's a, a think tank, a progressive think tank, which are basically research charities that make recommendations about how the government can improve public policy. Oh, awesome. Um, and could you tell us what the gender pay gap is, please? Yeah, uh, the gender pay gap is a measure of the difference between men's and women's average earnings uh, across whatever um, group that you want to measure. So it could be an organisation or it could be the economy as a whole. Um, in 2018, the UK gender pay gap was 17.9%. So women on average earning a fifth less than men um, mm. across the, the uh, across the whole economy. And something that people often get confused about is... Um, the difference between the gender pay gap and unequal pay. Um, so unequal pay is paying women less than men for work of the same value. Um, so uh, um, mm -hmm. unequal pay is actually one of the causes of the gender pay gap. Um, but um, it's not Ill illegal for an organisation to have a gender pay gap, but unequal pay is illegal mm -hmm. and has been so since 1970, at least in the UK. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, um, and why? So, why are you focusing on this issue now? So, it's a really interesting time for um, the gender pay gap in the UK because this year uh, was the first year when employers were required to openly report their gender pay gap um, for the first time. So, it's a large employers. So, um, any organisation with two hundred and fifty or more employees um, had to openly disclose their gender pay gap sliced various ways um, and that means that we can now analyze um, uh, an organization's um, gender pay gap as well as sort of the um, economy as a whole mm -hmm. um, which has already been measured annually um, and as a result there's been lots of media attention around it um, lots of questions being asked within companies and in sectors um, about uh, yeah what specific organizations um, gender pay gaps are I'm sure you'll see for example um, airlines um, gender pay gaps have been particularly bad um, and in the media as well I remember when that I think it was the first reporting it was all over the papers there was especially what the BBC was doing. Mm. And um, and totally. it, it reported various high-profile presenters and the how much each were earning. I don't know if that's part of that law, or, um, but they found that like the top earners were all men and by a long way. So For the sure. women were like right at the bottom of that. Yeah, definitely. And so, yeah, we, we've basically found that, that, that this sort of spotlight on the issue has been really positive. Um, and yeah, it, it's about time because we calculated that the 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 rate that the gap is currently closing, it won't close until uh, 2072. So uh, over 
over a hundred years after. Can't wait, lad. <laughs> We're going to be old as fuck. That is really depressing. But yeah. I've never heard that statistic before. Is it widely like spoken about the 2072 number? I think you can uh, you can calculate it uh, various ways. Um, but we uh, we took um, quite a, a long. Um, period uh, basically the um, the gap was uh, closing quite nicely until about uh, 2010 great um, and then it stalled um, and hasn't been uh, n- narrowing nearly as quickly since then so like that sort of since 2010 or t- maybe is tw- that UK or worldwide that's UK UK so yeah. uh, there was an election yeah so. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that but I'm glad that you yeah. did well is it cause or correlation we don't know so. um, and what what else does the report uh, look into Leslie uh, so um, having seen well at least the, the early signs because you've got to remember it's very early days we can't yet say you know how, how much difference the, the new reporting requirements have had on, on the gender pay gap it's going to take a little while to sort of see the the long term trend but these early signs indicate that there's been a uh, a lot of success it's um as i said shone a spotlight on the issue and also spurred um, employers to take action and so we spoke to a range of employers who have now started reporting and they've um, been taking various um, actions like uh, looking at their recruitment practices looking at their promotion practices Uh, so yeah lots of really positive signs so um, we sort of said, okay, transparency um, looks like it's a really useful tool. How else can we use it um, to tackle other pay inequalities? So um, we've uh, looked at um, things like uh, disability and ethnicity and um, uh, low wage issues, um, which are also a big problem in the UK. Yeah, I remember from working in the women's sector, there's always kind of like a massive criticism, um, and rightly so, of of feminist organisations that were doing research early on into the gender pay gap, but they never looked at race and they never looked at disability at all. Um, but this is reporting for companies of 250 plus. Has it had? Do you, is that something that you've quantified the trickle down onto smaller companies? Is that something you guys have looked at? So um, attitudes between um, large employers and medium-sized employers have been roughly the same to the um, reporting requirements. So uh, we've recommended actually lowering the threshold for the oh. size of company that, that should be required to report so that more of the workforce is covered by the by the legislation. So we think um, companies with 50 employees or more should be, should be required to report. Hmm. And what about inequalities between people who work at the top of... An organisation such as CEOs versus those who are at the bottom, who are kind of maybe your average everyday worker. Yeah, we think that's something that transparency could definitely be useful for. Um, so nearly a quarter of people in the UK earn less than the real living wage. And CEO's pay has increased five times faster than that of the average worker from 2000 to 2014. Mm. So there's lots of um, inequalities on those axes as well. So um, we suggest that employers should report the ratio of their um, chief um, executive pay and the pay of the average worker. That's something that the, that the government has also um, uh, said, the, said that they're going to enact. Um, and also report the proportion of the workforce that earns less than the living wage because uh, yeah, at the moment across the whole economy it's nearly a quarter and that, that, oh. that, that's not fine. Mm. No, absolutely not. Um, so do any of us think that we've been treated differently at work or not given an opportunity because of who we are in any way? 
I definitely think so. Um, I notice it more obviously actually with job applications, um, particularly in journalism, when mm. um, you can quite easily find out who did get the job that you went for. <laughs> and um, every single time, and this is fact as far as I am aware, every single time where I've seen who has got the job, it's been a white man. And that is incredibly... It's not just frustrating because you think, well, when you get the feedback and it's like, you did great at this stage and this stage and your interview stage, but, you know, I'm just the people who are better than you. And it's just kind of like, well, what do I need to do? <laughs> because, um, you know, I, I can't... It, I feel like I can't compete, compete with these people, um, these, uh, correction, white men. And... It it makes me feel less and less inclined to apply to jobs at big newsrooms because I feel like it's just the same person right. they're looking for. Um, and then in other in other jobs, I I did I did work at I did work somewhere where I felt like there were comments made not just about my gender but also my sexuality. Um, I felt like there was an underlying thing where I was right at the bottom of the food chain. Um, I didn't feel like I was being treated fairly or paid um, appropriately for the work I was doing. So I, I've definitely felt that. Have you ever been aware of like other people's salaries and 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 kind of compared in, in that in that sense? Um, not too much. I think at this this place that I mentioned, um, one of the other women who also worked there, when she said. You know, she was she didn't give her exact salary, but the way that she made it sound was as if the men who were at the top of the, I guess, the workplace hierarchy were being paid more. I think also because they were they were a group of friends and all that kind of stuff. Mm. It, it it didn't feel very fair, mm. but I can't absolutely say for sure that's what it's was really happening. hard to each time. Like it's yeah. it's like it's so hard to assess on a personal basis because it's a system where you are inclined to say, oh, well, it could just be me. Mm. Like, I've got, I think, also with the way women are often brought up, um, of saying, oh, I'm just not sure. It's the first time I'm doing this. I don't know. I'm not confident. Like, mm, all of these exactly. things, they're tropes, but I do see them in myself yeah. of attitudes I have towards my own work, even though I know I'm incredibly hardworking and I usually go above and beyond, but it's just really hard to say, oh, I've definitely done my best on this and I'm the right person for the job. It's really hard to say that. Mm. Um, and yeah, I have experienced like immediate uh, sexism at work where it's like, oh, this is sexism. Mm. But being able to identify it actually, like if anything, it's funny. And I think those people are stupid, like of saying, oh, you can't have a pint because you're a woman or something. It's like, well, yeah. you're obviously stupid. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the really stupidest stu thing I've ever heard. That's a really stupid thing to say. <laughs> or like asking like uh, for my views on what like some famous person has said about feminism it's like well are you asking me because i'm like the nearest woman like, yeah. what, like what's your deal or will you just shut up now? are you the yeah. are you the person who fits the quota right or are you actually there on your own merits yeah, yeah well yeah if they just see me as like yeah. oh the token woman over yes there. and it's just well all of this is very stupid but but that like it's like oh those two people i can i've identified them potentially three um <laughs> those people are sexist I know that they are sexist, so I don't have to take anything personally because they're stupid. Whereas, like, what I find a lot more abrasive is the sort of thing that you're talking about, where it's like, 
the people who are recruiting probably don't realize that they're being sexist or racist or they probably think like, oh, I have more confidence in this person. I can't really put my finger on it. And then it's like if they thought about it for 30 seconds, they'd be like, oh, it's because he's a white man. Mm. So that's why I trust him more. <laughs> um, but it's but it's just that reasoning isn't always you've got to check yourself so much to fight all of these sort of initial. Uh, what is it? Uh, prejudices mm. that you know we have, we have even as women like exactly. yeah that we put on ourselves exactly yeah I definitely identify with the the feeling of having been conditioned to almost doubt doubt yourself and question whether you d- deserve success at work um, something that um, another IPPR, IPPR report has highlighted is the success of proxy negotiations. So women may be um, less comfortable to negotiate their own salaries, but they're really good at negotiating other women's salaries. So I think that proxy negotiations might be an interesting way of sort of overcoming that if you have That's a good really relationship with your with your colleagues, of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just remembered something else as well. My cousin told me once, and I remember being so shocked about it. I didn't I didn't believe that this kind of stuff existed. Mm. But it was literally a year or so ago, and um, we were having drinks, and she was like, yeah, and she, she works at like a big corporate, and she has done for, for a really, really, really long time since she kind of finished studying. And she, um, she said that she literally, I remember when she found out, it was like a couple of weeks or something after she found out, she told me this, that... Um, her and her other colleague, who's a woman, found out that a man on exactly the same grade as them was being paid about £15,000 a year more than them That's for doing so the same role. And they they, got, they tried to get to the bottom of it. And so they like eventually they eventually kind of confronted the situation and asked their director why the fuck they were paying this guy more money. Like, was it a negotiation? What happened? Had he been doing, I don't know, had he got extra skills? Like, they knew full well he hadn't, but mm. it turned out that it was a, as blunt as this, and I still can't believe it when I'm saying it, but they said, because he said to them, because this guy is engaged... He's gonna has a family to provide for, mm-hmm. and so he needs more money. <laughs> and she was like, "What? Are you serious? I have a family to provide for as well. Like, I cannot believe that these kind of attitudes still exist. And that mm-hmm. that's like that's obviously illegal. Like that. that, that yeah, that sounds exactly what you were talking about. Is that that's just like textbook totally. illegal? Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a there's a penalty that women experience when they become mothers called the maternity penalty. Yeah. But there's also really depressingly the opposite for men. So there's a paternity bonus. Like men get paid more than um, wow. than comparable uh, m- uh, than comparable men who don't have kids. Mm. Mm, there's nice. a really just a, as a finishing kind of note on that. Um, Vox explained did a really interesting video where they talk about that. Um, on it's on Netflix. So I would recommend that for some extra info. Nice. I what was I was I was going to mention as well if anyone. I'd felt any other kind of barriers at work. Um, I was going to talk about the fact that I've experienced more kind of visceral things like sexual harassment at work and in um, in past jobs um, and problems with salary and progression that like we've already spoken about, but also things like being patronised and like talked over in meetings. Um, I remember, like, Leslie, earlier we discussed something called appropriation. Could you just explain what that is? (laughs) So the idea that um, a woman can put forward an idea and it won't get picked up, but when a man repeats the same idea, um, it will be taken forward. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That's so depressing. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, obviously sexual harassment is horrific. Um, 
I find that um, one of the big, like, um, one of one of the sort of grey areas that I I find at work is like the um, because I I'm in a relationship with a woman. I'm very aware of when I say that to other people and when I don't, and I realise it all the more when I hear. Like I heard, overheard a conversation that was about two seats away from me where people, there were like four colleagues speaking and they were saying, oh, yeah, she um, uh, sort of ran off with this woman that she met at Glastonbury and she's lesbian now. And it's just, it, it was just like the one, the it, word yeah. bisexual is a word and clearly this person is given oh, the context yeah. of the story that mm. I have just overheard from you. But also, and then it was followed up with, oh, and that's fine. I'm fine with that. It's yeah. fine. And it's just like, <laughs> what if you're saying it's fine four times after telling a story? It's Maybe obviously you're not, not fine. fine with it. Yeah. <laughs> you need and to it's address just, that within it, yourself. I think in the UK, I would always feel, well, so far, I've mostly felt comfortable being very out at work and being very, like, clear. People are a bit per- perplexed when I say my ex-boyfriend. And I'm kind of, like, somehow people can't get their head around it. But beyond that, it's it's fine. But it's when I'm working with people abroad, I'm always very aware that I don't know the cultural limitations I'm dealing with and so I tend to just not mention it just out of safety mm. and that's I think more a reflection on me than on them but just because I it's not always clear where people are comfortable yeah yeah um, and just quickly, Les, just before we wrap up, I just wanted to ask if the report recommended any other kind of stuff to tackle the more kind of like wider systemic uh, gender and other other kind of inequalities at in work um yeah, so uh, as well as um, more transparency within organisations, we uh, recommended a couple of things to make sure um, unequal pay, the, the illegal one, doesn't happen. Um, so uh, within companies, um, letting employees know what the pay ranges are for roles so employees can assess whether there may be unequal pay. And then... Um, also, uh, pre- previous reports at IPPR have suggested things like strengthening trade unions, um, raising the minimum wage, having uh, use it or lose it um, protected paternity leave, and yeah, various other things to make the economy fairer. They all sound brilliant. And um, so, how can listeners read the report? Um, it's uh, on our website. Uh, the link being ippr.org slash research slash publications slash the dash fair dash pay dash report. Or you can just Google IPPR fair pay report. That might be easier. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, so that's all we've got time for, listeners. You've been listening to Very Loose Women live on Resonance 104.4 FM, or you may have been listening on podcast, which is acast.com slash very loose women or on Apple podcast. Listen to our archive through there and subscribe to never miss an episode. This episode was produced by me, Flory, and was co-produced by Leah and Soy. Audio engineering was done by the glamorous Patrick at Resonance 104.4. And, uh, oh yes, quickly, how can our listeners follow you on Twitter? Uh, my handle is at Leslie, L-E-S-L-E-Y, F Rankin. Excellent. You can also follow us on Twitter at VLW Radio and we're VLW Radio on Instagram as well and Very Loose Women on Facebook. Thank you. Thank you.